when you're doing something for the first time and you're like, I suck at this, they always say like sucking at something is the first step to being kind of good at it. So I think when you're in that, I'm trying to figure this out, I'm so insecure phase, rejections just knock you off your feet. But you start to kind of build a bank of proof, you know, whether it's testimonials from clients that are like, you literally saved my life, or whether it's client projects to show off, or whether it's jobs that did give you a second interview, or jobs that you did get that were really good. Or honestly, if anyone is dealing with love life stuff, the same the same thing goes for relationships. The people who did love you, who loved you for all that you are and appreciated you, you start to build up that binder, if you will. So then when you get a rejection, you can always look back on that and be like, okay, this one didn't work, but things work out for me. I have proof and prove it to yourself and keep reading those positive words and keep reading what people say about you because that's the reality. The reality is this person will not be in the binder, but it ends there. Welcome to Check Your Aesthetic Podcast, the go-to podcast for self-starting creatives. I'm Katie Campbell, the owner of Katie Creative Co., a social media management agency located in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I'm Alexis Aldrich, a Vermont-based content creator focused on promoting productivity that fits your unique lifestyle and growing my career in marketing and creative business strategy. On CYA, you will catch authentic conversations around entrepreneurship, social media, self-care, and the creative industry. If you're looking to grow your online following, boost your productivity, and connect with other ambitious female creatives, then you've come to the right place. Let's get into this week's episode. Oh, hello. I didn't know that I was introing, but we can... I didn't know that you were either, but I was just looking at you until you said something. Sometimes when I... We've already... Like, we've talked about this multiple times, but I like to put off the, like, first sentence of the entire episode and the interview section to Alexis because I don't like to do it. I feel like you always do it, though. I say hey. Yeah, hey. But I don't, you know, whenever it's like, hey, whoever, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm always like, Alexis, do you want to do that today? I think you'd be so good at doing that today. Yeah. That, I think you'd be yeah. so good at it. That is, that is a common theme. We should use that as our intro into talking about Lucy before we forget and I was going to say, on. let's talk about Lucy. Yeah. So today we had Lucy Badewi. Badewi? Badewi. Badewi. Yep. She's told me so many times, y'all. It's it's a hard last. It's one of the harder last names we've had. But um, we had Lucy Badewi when she is a founder and a copywriter. Um, she's the founder of her business, My Right Hand Woman. And it is right, like W-R-I-T. T-E. Um, she is, uh, she specializes in writing personality packed copy um, that converts for women run businesses. So her specific niche is women run businesses. You know, we love that here. We always say no men are allowed here. If you're listening, no man, or man that's okay. But um, we're not going to have men guests on, um, which I think it's, Alexis and I get emails a lot of times from people who like want to be guests and they're like this husband and wife duo and I'm like no men sorry thank you anyway um <laughs> that's actually happened Lucy... a surprisingly the surprising amount of times where we're like yeah. it has and like it's just not really our vibes but um Lucy started her business straight out of college at 21 and she made six figures in her first full year of business which is an absolute slay so she has helped so many creative female entrepreneurs write really really amazing copy um she uses her client's brand voice and zesty humor to help companies stand out online and create a super fun brand presence um so we talked actually nothing about copywriting and we (laughs) talked all about rejection in your business which is such an important topic to discuss and not always an easy one but we kind of talked about how important it is and how to use it to your benefit Mm -hmm. and how not to take it personally so if you are a girly with anxiety 
or just a girly in general or anybody listening, it's, rejection is not easy for anybody. So yeah. this episode was really helpful in kind of restructuring how you think about that. Yeah. And I think like coming from my perspective of someone that, um, I mean, I have the podcast and I have content creation, but as far as like what I'm going to get rejected from, it's more so like a career base, like corporate. Um, and I think that inevitably, if you're going to be trying to do anything in business, whether that's you're working from for someone else's company, you're running your own business, you are going to get rejection in some form. Even if you, let's say you already have the job and you're in sales, you're going to get rejected from making a sale, you know, even if it's for another mm-hmm. company. Um, so it's just a part of life and it's a part of um, maturing and like, you know, being, um, you know, a functioning business woman, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, I thought this was honestly such a great episode and I feel like I needed to hear a lot of this right now um so I know that if you are like Katie said struggling with rejection and and kind of like the psychological side of that in your business or in your career or anything then definitely keep listening because uh Lucy had a lot of actionable steps which we you, you guys already know we love that on the check your civic podcast we always like for you guys to have something that you can immediately do as soon as this episode ends um so yeah but Katie what shall we talk about before we get into the actual meat of the episode what should we ramble about that makes no sense okay before we got on, Alexa said, can I please talk about Mascara Gate quickly? So <laughs> when you guys are listening to this, this is going to be a thing of the past. Yeah. Um, but it's another, I'm sure there will be another drama that Michaela is involved in <laughs> by the time this episode comes out. But Alexis, I would love to hear your thoughts on Mascara Gate. Yeah, okay. So I'm sure that everybody already knows what this is. And this is definitely, Michaela has, um, Michaela Naguera, I think is her last name. I don't really know how to pronounce her last name, but... She has, I think, like under a little under 15 million followers, and she is in some hot fire right now for um, promoting a mascara that she very clearly has fake lashes on, and it's just like so stupid. And this is not her first scandal, I guess you could say, or like drama. She had the, um, you should try being an influencer for one day or whatever. I know. Um, and, like, I think, you know, some of it, it's, like, in the grand scheme of life, this is not not that big of a deal. It's not like she, like... Yeah, it's, like, a mascara. ...assaulted someone or, like, yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. But it's just that, like, I don't know, I, I specifically wanted to talk about it on the podcast because I think as business owners, as content creators, as marketers, even if you work in your marketing as someone else's business on, like, social media, you have a right or not right, you have a duty to not falsify things. If you're even in influencer marketing, if you have been gifted a product, if you have been sponsored by something, the first thing that you need to have is hashtag gifted, hashtag ad. Um, It needs to be very evident that you are not buying this with your own money because otherwise it is giving, um, I guess, like a falsehood to your listeners and I was listening to um the do we know them podcast before we got on to record and Jessie smiles she was saying how like with Michaela I think this is going to be the biggest detriment to her because she has in one fell swoop completely um ruined her credibility and her trust with her audience and I just think that that's so unfortunate and like it really is just kind of an insult to 
her followers of like how smart she thinks they are or how stupid I guess she thinks they are. Yeah. I kind of have an interesting take on this because I was listening to the toast and one thing I love about the toast is I think they always have kind of like the perspective that you don't think of first Mm -hmm. and they were saying how and I think they made two great points so first of all so think about like a Pantene ad that is not somebody's hair from Pantene no that is not what that is and so in those ads they say like you know literally like these results are not blah 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 blah. but in like it has like fine print underneath if it's like yeah and so I do think like that is kind of like a bigger marketing issue that like we all need to like stop doing and it is getting you know ethical marketing is getting more and more important but I do think so I think the point that they kind of made was that people do use mascara with falsies and that's fine but the problem was that Michaela was in her comments claiming that she wasn't wearing falsies if she would have said oh yeah I'm wearing falsies this is just how it looks with my falsies at the very beginning of the episode or the episode the tiktok she says it looks like I'm wearing falsies, but I'm not. Like, girl, you're freaking lying right now. And I think also exactly. what I think is just a greater problem with Michaela and with a lot of, like, influencers and just everything is if you are being sponsored by something per the FTC, you need to disclose that. And she is super bad with that. She had, like, hashtag, like, she didn't even put ads. She did, like, um, Neutrogena, what was it? Neutrogena? L'Oreal. L'Oreal. Why did I say Neutrogena? I mean, yeah. It was, like, hashtag L'Oreal partner, and she, but she had it in, like, right under where it would have, like, green, the green screen or, like, the filter, and it was only for, mm-hmm. like, a second, and then it went away, and, like, the hashtag, yeah. like, L'Oreal partner was, like, you had to, like, hit more, which no one does that. So, and to be completely honest with you, we don't know. This could be a brand issue. This could be a L'Oreal issue. This could be them saying, you know, because they, they approve this content. They don't, right. you know, influencers don't put this out, right. this stuff out without, you know, and she, I'm sure she got paid, you know, a lot of money for that. But I think on the brand side and on the creator side, I agree with you that, like, clearly L'Oreal was enabling this behavior and probably honestly told her to say she wasn't wearing falsies or told her to whatever. She obviously has autonomy and could have been like, no, you know, like if they would have asked her, could have and probably should have been like, no. And we really will never know if it was her, if it was L'Oreal, if it was both or how, you know, how that kind of like. As far as right now, she has not said anything. And I'm just so interested to see, like, because as far as I know, L'Oreal hasn't said anything um but I think Mm -hmm. frankly a lot of people are saying like oh Neutrogena must be freaking out hell no they are happy about Neutrogena L'Oreal what the what the f (laughs) L'Oreal people are saying like oh L'Oreal might or like L'Oreal is you know scared or like is upset by this no way hell this helps them them. like I literally I Mm -hmm. have been like I want to go get that mascara and try it out no because it's not she wasn't like it wasn't the scandal about it being like making her eyes swell shut it was literally yeah. just a scandal about her trying to make it look a little bit better than it was right exactly so, so but I I do think it was interesting um I thought that the take that they had on the toast was interesting because they were just kind of saying like it's not that deep it's a mascara which I completely I, agree I with totally, but also I do think I I just think creators have an obligation because and this is what Jackie was saying she was saying like the reason that people like influencers and the reason that influencer marketing is successful is because of the authenticity factor, especially exactly. with Michaela. She like cries on camera and yeah. like talks about how she feels. Like I saw a TikTok the other day of her talking about how she felt like so scared to go wedding dress shopping because she didn't so like her body. Glad you brought that up because I have something to say about that. But like anyway, I, she you know she puts she's authentic. That's her thing. And then to be in the comments being like, "I'm not wearing falsies," like girl, be fucking for it. You are wearing falsies, right? 
Just okay. stop lying. Just say you are. Exactly. Just say you are. And I think also going off of that, just the way that she was responding to comments also, like it would be one thing if she came in like 10 minutes later and was like, guys, I'm sorry, I wore fal- falsies. But being like, no, this just proves how good the mascara is. Girl, mm-hmm. what? But about the wedding thing, another thing that I heard um, from Cece Suarez, who is uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, she did a video on it and um, she had opinion that I had kind of like thought of but I kind of like pushed it aside she had that video and I completely related to the whole not wanting to go wedding dress shopping I actually ordered my dresses online because I did not want to go into a wedding dress shop and just inevitably feel disappointed um so I totally understand that but in that video she says I called a random shop and that like I called a random wedding dress shop and booked an appointment And then, like, that day or the next day, she posts a video of, from a wedding dress shop, and it is, like, eerily similar to a sponsored post, and I feel like she got the dress either for free or she, it was a, like, it was sponsored, it has nothing that says sponsored, but how was it that you found a random place and booked an appointment same day, and then the next few hours, you're creating content for them I don't and she also said mm-hmm. they have all the kinds of dresses that I wanted so do they have the specific kind of dress that you want or did you call a random dress shop like what and it's yeah, it's not it's not all a big deal whatsoever don't think that I'm like literally losing sleep over this it really truly does not matter at all it's just like interesting in the field of like like you said authenticity in the influencer mm-hmm. space and like what is required of them and what is not yeah and I just I think just like I don't know people and on the toast a point they were making was like when you get to be this big of I think it was the toast maybe it was my inside brain of what I was reflecting on their stuff but they were Mm -hmm. kind of talking about when you get to be this big it's just kind of like how it is whatever but in like scandals you're going to get caught up in them but I would like to bring up Emma Chamberlain Emma Chamberlain has been literally literally I can't think of one and she's massive and so I do think that Michaela just has a little bit of like immaturity I think yeah well something just needs to be like reevaluated and honestly if that's her ploy to get more views good girl you yeah, are literally you're like <laughs> you're slaying you're slaying that strategy <laughs> mm-hmm. but I don't know I think it is interesting to talk about um and by the time y'all are listening y'all are probably gonna be like okay we've literally been there done that but uh, we'd love to hear y'all's takes because I do think it is interesting thinking about kind of like the the ethical and we talk about this a lot in like we talked about it in college and mm-hmm. in all kinds of like marketing like education exactly. you always have ethics sections talking about like what's ethical and what's not right and I think that's really important Do because you, marketing done unethically is manipulation exactly Do marketing done ethically the, is persuasion Do you think that the FTC is gonna go after L'Oreal or Michaela for this um, I think it would actually depend on if L'Oreal said anything about it right they have um, to have like a statement if they, if L'Oreal like forced her to do this, probably, but I don't think they're going to go after like one individual creator, I don't think. But a big giant company like L'Oreal, maybe. She might be like fined. I don't think she's going to be like sued, but she might have to like. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Interesting. It'll be interesting to see. But anyway, I guess after all of our talk about Miss Michaela, um, if there's any more drama by the time this is uploaded i'm sure we'll talk about it later (laughs) but i guess we should go ahead and get into the episode um with lucy hi lucy thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do for our listeners who might not be familiar with you 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am the founder of My Right Hand Woman, and I'm also a copywriter. So for anyone who's like, what is that word? So essentially what I do is I write sales copy, web copy, so anything you see on a website or a sales page. I also write emails that persuade you to buy way too much skincare. So really anything that persuades you to take action, that's what I'm writing. Um, And what my specialty is, is I work with women-owned businesses, specifically ones that want to be cutting edge, a little bit irreverent, lots of personality in their writing to help female-founded companies. Companies scale, I like to say rapidly because we're not here to scale our businesses slowly um, and stand out in the online space. Amazing. I love that. You've got that so on lock. You've got the whole yeah, elevator, pitch elevator pitch on lock. elevator pitch. Business school. To- they like drilled it into me. <laughs> no, yes. I need to be better yes. about my elevator pitch, but I love that. Alexis, Alexis can relate. Yes. Always the, that was like the very first assignment for every single semester was what is your elevator pitch and give it to me right now so yeah very familiar and like we're never in an elevator with someone like has that ever actually happened to someone especially since like post-covid like literally one of you ever just like randomly but it's it's a good practice to have regardless so I wanted to talk about um rejection so you started your business your copywriting business at 2022 Mm -hmm. and being just kind of like a young woman in business it com- and just being a person in business in general, it comes with a lot of doubts and fear and rejection. So you'll hear no a lot of times in business before you hear yes. So how did you kind of navigate that feeling for yourself and believing yourself despite hearing no so many times in your business? Yeah, I think when it comes to like being fresh out of college, starting a business, you know, you already have all this imposter syndrome because you're like, do I actually know what I'm doing? But you also have like this imposter syndrome because all your friends are signing on with these fancy companies and you're like, am I like FOMOing and like, am I like screwing up my career for the rest of my life? Which like sounds so dramatic, but obviously you don't think you're going to, you don't know if you're going to succeed when you're just starting something. So my rejections definitely started before I started my business in terms of just, you know, applying for jobs, jobs that probably weren't the right fit for me. But of course, you know, they were saying things like, we don't think you're right for the role. And I was like, oh my God, like this is my dream job. (laughs) And I'm like, no, it's actually not my dream job. Why did I think that was my dream job? Um, And I think that's just so normal is, you know, you face those rejections in normal corporate space as well. But then you go into your business and you're asking people, hey, do you need a copywriter? You apply for these like freelancing jobs jobs, you try and build your business and you know, you're knocked down. And I think it's just part of it is just normalizing it. There's not a single entrepreneur out there, not a single person who started a business who doesn't get a no and who doesn't probably get a hundred no's before they get the yes that kind of propels them to that next step. Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, um, for those of you listening who might be new or, and also for you, Lucy, I'm a social media manager. Um, and I started my business at 23 freshly 23. So kind of a similar time. So I definitely agree that I think, and we're going to talk more about this later as like rejection kind of being a redirection, which is a popular Pinterest quote, but it is true. Um, And for you kind of in the sense of, you know, corporate wasn't working out and these people, you know, you weren't, this didn't fit and this didn't work and this didn't work. Um, And then kind of trying things until something sticks. Um, But I would love to hear kind of more details about kind of the barriers that you faced at the beginning of starting your business and some of, you know, those specific, maybe specific to being young, maybe specific to being a female. I know there's certain things that come up, um, especially when you're dealing with older male clients or younger male clients, anything like that. Um, But what are kind of some specific barriers that you faced 
starting your business? Oh man, you hit the nail on the head because when I started my business, I didn't know I wanted to specialize in women owned businesses. I kind of like to say the niche chose me. Um, I just went into it being like, I'm a copywriter now. And like, whoever wants to sign me, cool. Like I need Mm -hmm. to get a job or I need to, you know, start a business. And it didn't, I didn't really like follow my passion in the beginning. I just kind of followed like who, who would hire me as a writer. So I did have a lot of clients and some of those clients, you know, it was, it was both men and women that, you know, probably had like 10, 20 plus years on me in terms of career experience. And sometimes it comes in the form of just like a question that's a little like off where they're like, oh, like, why do you think you're qualified to do this so fresh out of college? And I'm just like, oh, wow. Okay. That's targeted. (laughs) Um, And then other times it's like character traits that they'll assign to you. They'll be like, oh, you're a little bit green. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, so I think so many, there's, it's, rejection, I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's not always like a, you're too young. Nope. We don't want you. It's a lot of those like subtle digs that you have to navigate and they're putting you on the defensive. So I think when it comes to facing these barriers, a lot of it's in the gray area. And it's just knowing that like people are going to doubt you, especially if you're a young woman, especially if you want to work with corporate clients or clients who are, you know, older males who kind of have this idea about who the marketing team is going to look like or what they're going to look like. Um, And it's just, you know, it's up to you to kind of, you know, craft your answers. So when those things happen, you know, you're not like, whoa, okay, I don't know where to go from here. But you're like, okay, this is how it's going to be. I can choose if this is a client I want to work with. If it is, then this is the answer that I want to give them. Right. Yeah. And I kind of want to talk a little bit more about your niche specifically, because like you said, kind of chose you, but I would doubt, you know, at least in my experience, I've kind of niched down as I've worked with clients that I really loved or worked with clients that I didn't love or, you know, sent out a proposal. And I'm like, I actually do not want to do that. Or I really want to do that. So how did you kind of land there? And kind of what role did rejection, I guess, play in getting you to a place where you feel really confident in the clients that you're serving? Oh, yeah, no, I think when it comes to like niching down and sending a proposal is you just kind of have to think inward, like sometimes you'll send out a proposal and like there's a little voice inside you that's like, please don't sign this, please don't sign this. (laughs) And it's like, that's usually your hint that you're not like aligned with the work that you're about to do. Um, So when it comes to really like finding my niche and finding what lit me up. You know, after I just started getting more established, I realized my favorite clients were women in their 20s and 30s. Um, And it was younger women. And of course, I still work with women who are, you know, their kids moved to college, they're starting a business. It's really all women. But I was Mm -hmm. finding that those women I could relate to so much because they also got rejected. And it just like, put so much like happiness and love. And I think there's a little bit of like spite in there too. Like when a female who just started a business is like, I'm making $120,000 a month. And I'm just like, yes, like more of Mm -hmm. these stories. Because the truth is, you know, as young women in the entrepreneurship world, we're really all in this together. So Mm -hmm. really working with people who are your peers, who you just connect with, um, it's it's just so rewarding. Because you're like, I know you got doubted by the same dudes that I got doubted by. And now we're just Mm going to like take over together. Right. Mm -hmm. So I am currently in the job search uh, process as we're recording this. And so much of what you said, I know that you mentioned in the beginning, kind of in rejection in the corporate side, but I want to say so much of this also applies to just getting a job and being in just business in general. And I think something that you said specifically is when getting that feeling of like, please don't sign this. I have felt that when I get an email from a company that I've applied to, I'm literally like, 
please let this be like unfortunately we're no longer moving forward with your like application because I know deep down like I didn't want that job I just applied to it because it was a job and I think like once you start getting into interviews we're like no I really want this job like that look into that role or that field or like that business and try to figure out like what about that makes sense for you and why are you genuinely excited about that position in comparison to the one that I am saying like please don't please don't even ask me for an interview I don't want this job leave me alone please um but so moving on I wanted to get into I always everybody that listens to the podcast frequently knows that I always want to ask the kind of the psychological side of things. So what was the feeling like for you after getting your biggest rejection and how did that move you or propel you to where you are today? Um, And feel free to share what you feel most comfortable with. You don't have to get into like (laughs) the nitty gritty if you don't feel like it. Um, But yeah. Yeah, I think when it comes to like feelings and emotion, like I'm definitely a person who responds with like anger when the underlying is (laughs) hurt. Um, So I definitely remember one of my biggest rejections is I interviewed for a job. It was a group interview, which I have complicated feelings about, but that's probably another episode. Um, But I just really thought I did a great job. Like it was, you had to create like a creative solution for the company and present it. And I brought like my bubbliness and I'm like, this is how we're going to like crush it and you know and then they called me back and they were like you're not going to move on to the next round and this was like where they take like you know 30 percent of the applicants to the next round so I was like wait what and I asked for feedback and that's when I got the feedback that I had too strong of a personality for the role and I was just like what (laughs) like I was so taken aback I had no idea what to do with that so I just like went home to my friends and they, you know, they were my roommates and just ranted. Like I just paced around the room and I'm like, and then they said this and then this other applicant said this. And I just like totally went off. And I think behind all of that is I felt like it was a rejection of who I was and it went a lot deeper than just being told no for the job. And I think I felt a lot of fear and a lot of frustration that like, you know, maybe I'm not cut out for like the work world. And I just kind Mm -hmm. of started doubting everything. So that's kind of like the psychological process that I tend to go to. I know some of us are angry people. Some of us are, you know, cry in front of ice cream people. And some of us are like bounce back, you know, don't feel anything. I definitely fall in like the ranty angry category. Same. Yeah. And I definitely feel like I could see how, you know, having somebody say something like that, you taking it personally, anybody would. That is a personality trait. <laughs> that like, is a personal Your personality <laughs> is like, it's not that you're not qualified. You're per- like, that is so absurd. But I do feel like I see where that would be such a motivation to create a job where you get to choose your clients and attract people who are drawn to that energy and, you know, work with people who feed off of that versus people who are going to tell you that you're too much. And I feel like Going back to the whole thing about being a female entrepreneur and just being a woman in the workplace in general, that comment I think is something that is common for women to get. Um, I would actually love if any man listening or if anybody knows a man listening who's ever gotten a comment like that, I'd love to hear it. I've never heard of a man getting a comment like that before, that they were too much ever. Well, the funny thing is my guy friend also interviewed for this role and he got the same comment. So really? Well, yeah. Okay, well, you know well, what? Honestly, then, that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that they're not just giving it to the yeah. women. But we're all getting I personally do. attacked. I know, yeah, women definitely get it more. Attacked by the, they're just a, they're mean. Um, but I do feel like as a woman, it's 
it's common to hear like you're too much or you know bossy whatever exactly things like that but I I definitely see where that would lead you kind of to where you are wanting to be able to work with people and choose who you work with you don't have to, if somebody's patronizing you you can just say I'm full right now I don't <laughs> how many openings you know so yeah um okay so I guess this is just kind of a broad question we've talked about this a little bit but how have you kind of used rejection specifically to propel your actual business forward and help to like grow your business um rather than just obviously you as a person actually like your your business itself I think it depends on the type of rejection. Obviously, the one I just talked about is like so personal and that's just, you know, you got to journal about it. You got to kind of work through that. But a lot of the rejections that you get in business are actually really constructive if you get over Mm -hmm. the initial hurt and the initial emotion. So, for example, you know, if someone's like, hey, we decided to go with another copywriter or another social media manager, insert your job title. Um, it's really hard to do, but the best thing you could do is ask for feedback. Why, um, be like, what about that other hire kind of stuck out to you? And most people are really generous with that information because most of the time they know it's not hurtful. It's just like, oh, I really like that this person had this client who happened to be in my industry and it was exactly what I wanted. And then you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. Like not the right fit. Or they'll say something like, honestly, I'm not quite sure about the process of working with you. I felt a little unclear and I want a clearer process. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, my customer journey might need a little bit of work. So ask for feedback. If your ideal dream client is saying no to you, they're not saying no to you because they hate you or they want to see you fail. They're saying no to you because there's something that they didn't feel was like a good enough fit for them to justify the investment. So Mm -hmm. that would be like, I would say the rejection that should propel you forward and should help you continue to get better. But if you're getting rejected because you're too much, you're being told you're bossy, all of those things that women have to face every single day, that's the kind of stuff you're just going to have to do the deep work and eventually make sure that it's not getting to you because that's the stuff that's just going to hold you back. Right. Absolutely. We are going to take a quick break to talk about one of our amazing sponsors, Verb. So Verb's caffeinated energy bars have been absolutely saving my life recently. If you guys listen to the podcast, you know that I am a busy girl. I am a full-time business owner building my social media agency. I am a full-time grad student who is only a couple of months from graduating with her master's, and I am a podcaster. Not to mention all of the regular things that we have to do in our lives. You know, I'm a daughter. I'm a dog mom. I'm a girlfriend. You know, I've got a busy schedule. So these caffeinated energy bars have made it so simple and easy for me to get my caffeine fix in throughout the day. Um, Verbs caffeinated energy bars have as much caffeine as an espresso, but it's from organic green tea. So it gives you that jitter-free energy. Um, They're pocket-sized. They're spill-free. They just make it so easy to get your caffeine in throughout the day. I have tried the hot fudge sundae and the chocolate chip banana bread flavors. I think chocolate chip banana bread is my favorite. It's so delicious. Um, These bars really, you know, taste is not forgotten in the design of these bars. Um, They deliver you your caffeine, but they also taste amazing. So if you want to try out Verb Energy, you can go to www.verbenergy.co. That is V-E-R-B energy.co. Let's take a break to talk about this week's amazing sponsor, Dev Candle Co. So Dev Candle Co. is a Los Angeles-based company that specializes in clean, sustainable concrete candles. They are handcrafted with amazing quality ingredients. They have 
100% non-GMO soy wax. And I have a story for you guys that is going to convince you that you need this candle. So I have been sick. And the other day, my mom was stopping by my house to drop me off some dinner. And because I was sick, she didn't want to come in the door. So she, you know, cracked my door, left the food outside and um, left. And I live in a garage apartment. So my mom when she left called me and she was like, did you spill perfume outside? Like, do you have something going on outside? Do you have a scent device outside? (laughs) And I was like, no, I have a candle burning inside. And she was like, okay, I need to do some digging. So she calls the woman who lives downstairs. She's trying to figure out what this scent is. And to make a long story short, it was my candle burning inside that had radiated outside so much. She loved Mm -hmm. the scent so much. She asked me what it was and she was so obsessed. She would not stop talking about it. And if that doesn't tell you how amazing these candles are, I don't know what will. I have mine burning right now. My favorite is Soiree. It is the most delectable scent and it is a strong scent, but it's not a toxic candle. I feel like it's really rare to find non-toxic clean candles that still have a really strong scent and Dev has just done it so well. Yes, your mom was fiending for the for the candle. Um, yeah, so I am obsessed with Dev Candle Co. We love candles here at the Check Your Aesthetic podcast, but I genuinely, I mean this wholeheartedly, Dev Candle Co. is like an elevated experience when you are opening them. The packaging is just amazing, um, both in like the the shipping packaging, but also just like the, the product itself. Um, and I love that it kind of fits with any style decor and like aesthetic that you're going for it's not sometimes with candles it's only gonna fit like a certain style with this it really will fit into any room and add just like a elevated aesthetic as I said my favorite by far is northeast of course you guys know Vermont girly and I can attest as a natural born Vermonter it really does smell like the northeast it's very nostalgic for me and homey i love it so much and i can also back up katie's claim that it really will fill a house it will fill a room um and not in like an overwhelming like not sticky you know it's not sticky but you know that Mm -hmm. you know that like when you walk in you're like oh like it's not like that at all it's very natural um and i think that part of that is because they are non-toxic, like you said, and they have no additives or preservatives or dyes, and the packaging is completely biodegradable. Um, so yeah, we will stay standing and supporting Dev Candle Co. forever. We're so happy that we got to work with them, and we very much, we beg please go support them as well because we are obsessed. Absolutely. So if you're looking for a gift for a birthday, for an anniversary, really for anything, this is an amazing gift. It really is an elevated candle experience. And if you want to place your order with Dove Candle Co., you can use code CYA for 20% off of any order. Like we said, our favorites are Northeast and Soiree, but there are so many amazing candles. They have seasonal collections. They have so many options. So definitely go shop their site and use code CYA20 for 20% off of any order. Dev is also spell d-e-h-v that is dev candle co code c-y-a 20 for 20 percent off your order i think something that i also want to note and again just as a side note but i think that what you just said also applies to um applying to jobs as well like this whole episode can be you don't just have to be a service provider to be able to listen to this episode but i also want to say I think a lot of the time when it doesn't even have to do with rejection but of course that's what we're talking about today how a potential client or how a potential employer is treating you in the process of 
you know, onboarding or on, you know, the, um, what is it called, Katie? The on discovery call. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> clearly not a service provider anymore. Um, or just like an interview process. How they're treating you is a direct reflection, at least in my experience, of how they're going to treat you later. And even though it is very disappointing, sometimes you have dodged a bullet by them saying no. Um, I won't give super detailed details, but recently I had a job interview process where I basically had like five interviews with a company and then they completely ghosted me. I did multiple like presentations. I was very like, I'm gonna get this job. And then they still have ghosted me for like a month now, despite me reaching out like multiple times. And I think like looking back on it, I don't want to work for that company. Like, they treated me, frankly, like a big steaming pile of shit. And I am not a steaming pile of shit. I am a nice person. I deserve to be treated better than that. And I also have value that I can add. So, not just trying to, like, toot my own horn, but how you are being treated, I think, is you need to look out for that. You don't always need to get a yes because sometimes a no is going to be better for you than a yes would be because it's going to cause more problems down the line. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to say something about um, what you said in the last uh, answer, but I completely agree. Like, I think one of the hardest things is to ask for feedback when somebody says no and ask them why because you know you're going to hear something no matter what it is. You don't want to hear it. Because you want to be the best at what you're doing. But it's literally, I think, like, remembering that it's literally impossible to be everything that everybody wants is really important. And I really like the point, Lucy, that you made of, of deciding what feedback is important for you to listen to and act on right. and deciding what isn't. Um, because you obviously can't act on everything that everybody says. But it is obviously very important to take the opportunities to use feedback when it is actually going to be helpful. Um, And that can propel your business. Like that can be what makes your business get better over time. Because if you're starting something new, inevitably you're not going to be like the best person ever at it. Like you have the opportunity and need time to get better. And so by accepting, um, I guess I would say kind criticism. Someone doesn't (laughs) need to be like, you literally suck so bad you should never do this again. Don't listen to them. They're kind of yeah, not helpful. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. not helpful at all. Um, but so I want to know kind of like looking in the big picture, this can be from like the corporate world. This can be from the business side. Um, but what are like the lessons that you have learned and what are kind of ways that you've reflected on rejection to make it beneficial and like a positive experience? So when it comes to lessons, I think the first one that I, this is the Pinterest quote of the episode that I want everyone to kind of just keep in the back of your mind is never, ever take advice or take rejection personally from someone who's not living a life that you don't want to live. I think a lot of people have a lot to say about things that they've never tried themselves or have never been through. And no one understands what you're going through. They can give you a million ideas. They can give you a million pieces of criticism. But did they build the business you want? Because the truth is, someone who is further along than you would never want to tear you down. They have absolutely Mm -hmm. nothing invested in that. 
but people who may like obviously when I say this people think of people who are jealous but it could just be people who don't know better it could be people who are totally clueless to what you're going through or they feel fear when they look at what you're pursuing so they project that onto you so that would be my number one thing is make sure if you are getting rejection you are seeing who is doing the rejecting Um, And then my second lesson is take care of yourself. I think a lot of the times there's pressure to just like bounce back. But I know in the early days, like my business was my baby. I was putting hours upon hours Mm -hmm. into it. And I still am putting hours into it, but I have a more balanced life because, you know, I'm out of the honeymoon period of my business. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and it's going to be really hard if you get a no or if you lose a client that could like potentially double your monthly income. You know, you saw that future, that projection. So when you get that no, it's okay if you just need to like take a beat, if you need to write, if you need to go for a walk, whatever you do, call a friend just to feel better. You know, that in the same way you would rest after a breakup or rest after like if someone close to you died, like there's a grieving period and it's totally okay to admit that this affected you. Yeah, I love that. And I think we talk a lot here about how, because I've definitely struggled with when you're when you own your own business and you're an entrepreneur, especially if you're a solopreneur and you're the only person in your business, just being like, oh, it's, you know, separate your business from yourself and don't take anything personally. That's a great idea, but that is not going to happen. That is just unrealistic. It just will not be that way. So I think I love the advice of recognizing that that is hurtful and it, it does reflect on you and it will affect like, or does not reflect on you, but that does affect affect your like emotions mm-hmm. um, and being able to recognize that and not beating yourself up for being like, oh, I shouldn't care because it's my business and it's not like it's just my business and it's not actually like, you know, it's, it's separate not a big from deal me and I shouldn't whatever. care. Yeah, mm-hmm. is, you know, beating yourself up. There's no purpose for that. But I think, you know, recognizing that you're allowed to feel hurt and it's allowed to feel personal to you, but being able to recognize that the person didn't say I don't want to work with you because you're stupid and I hate you you know it's that it's that something wasn't aligning well and I do think that's another reason that asking for feedback and asking why can actually be really beneficial because it can help you to say okay you know I'm not just making up reasons in my head why they didn't want to work with me and thinking all these terrible things about myself they're telling me you know it was because the you know your services didn't align with exactly what we wanted when somebody else's did. And then, you know, it literally had nothing to do with you. You just weren't the right fit. Um, Or like you said earlier, it could be something that you could change. And then the next client like them that comes around, you will sign. So I feel like that's a really big thing um, that is really, really hard to do and is absolutely horrible. Um. (laughs) I also think that rejection in like any phase of your life, like it doesn't even have to be business or like career or anything. It's almost like a muscle. Like the first time that you get rejected in something like new in your life, it stings. But the more that you like just accept like, okay, this doesn't reflect on me. Like I'm not a moronic idiot. Like this is just a phase of like a part of life and a part of um, progressing in this. Like the first time when I was getting into like job search, the first few like, unfortunately, we're not moving forward with your application. Those were like, oh like why and now frankly I apply to so many jobs that I get those like on a weekly basis and I'm like hmm, all right cool next. whatever like move on to the next one I guess so I think that it's not always gonna hurt and I I totally understand like the the fear of reaching out because of knowing that the possibility is that someone says no um but like for Katie and I like with sponsors do you think that every single sponsor we reach out to says no or says yes no 
not at all. Like, it is pretty, like, frankly, ra- on in the grand scheme of all businesses, it is pretty unlikely that we get a yes, but that doesn't stop us because otherwise we wouldn't have the ones that we have now. So I think just, like, you know, being yeah, able to Yeah, and in the name that. of transparency for everyone listening to this episode, like, the reason I'm on this episode is because I sent an email Um, you know, like I, of course I send emails that don't get responses and people are like, no, you're not the right fit. Like every potential for rejection is also a potential for a yes. So if you kind of just normalize that rejection is going to happen, you're going to be able to get those opportunities that you thought were only available for other people. They're available for you too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like that's also a huge thing with like growth in your business, because obviously if you don't take these opportunities for rejection, you can't grow. So there literally is no growth without rejection. And, you know, different people are going to get different amounts of no's at different times. But even the person that you look at and you think this is what exactly what I want my business to be, they are still getting rejected. They are not, not every single person that they want to work with is working with them. That is not how it it will ever work for anybody. Um, But I think that, you know, putting yourself out there and giving yourself the chance to be rejected also gives you the chance to have some really awesome opportunities that you wouldn't have otherwise. I I was just going to say that, that you never know what somebody else is being told no from Mm -hmm. or like how many times. And it's not like when you get that rejection email that that is like automatically posted to your Facebook wall or like posted to your LinkedIn. Like no one knows. Can we normalize that? Yeah. (laughs) Here is every one of my rejection emails. But really the only people, unless that person's like an a-hole and like goes and tells people, which like, frankly, why would they even care? Like they're not going to do that. But the only people that know that are you and the person that you asked something of. And it, it really isn't that big of a deal. But so what are your tips for not taking, I know what we talked about this a little bit earlier in the episode, but from the person at the, the taking it personal side and not letting that seep into your life, like, you know, I leave my office and I'm making dinner and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that that person said no to me, whatever. What are your tips for kind of tape, separating the opinions of others from your personal life and your reality? I think what you said about how that first one stings and then it gets a little bit better with each subsequent sting Mm -hmm. um, is a really good like analysis for kind of how that process works because you start to kind of build up a bank of proof when you're doing something for the first time and you're like, I suck at this. You know, Mm -hmm. like they always say like sucking at something is the first step to being kind of good at it. So Mm -hmm. I think when you're in that, like, I'm trying to figure this out, I'm so insecure phase, like rejections just like knock you like off your feet. But you start to kind of build a bank of proof, you know, whether it's testimonials from clients that are like, you literally saved my life or whether it's client projects to show off or whether it's jobs that did give you a second interview or jobs that you did get that were really good. Or honestly, if anyone is like dealing with love life stuff, the same, the same thing goes for relationships. Like the people who did love you, who like loved you for all that you are and appreciated you, you start to build up that like binder, if you will. So then when you get a rejection, you can always look back on that and be like, okay, like this one didn't work, but like things work out for me. I have proof and Mm -hmm. prove it to yourself and keep reading those positive words and keep reading what people say about you because that's the reality. The reality is this person will not be in the binder, but it ends Mm -hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love that you said binder because literally I think we've suggested on this podcast before for people to keep like a folder on their computer yep. of like 
nice emails and good things people have said about them and positive experience, whether it's your friend saying something nice about you, a client, but when things get a little bit dark, it's always good to go back to that. And of course, you know, the inner work of being good with yourself is kind of the first step. You can't, you know, we're saying don't take the rejection so personally. You also can't only let your confidence ride on if people are saying (laughs) nice things about you, but it's always good to go back and have, you know, that, you know, if you're a social media manager, those analytics where you're like, look what I did this, this person saying that, you know, they blah, 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 like, but I did this for this client. And that's amazing. Um, But okay, kind of talking about you come out, you know, on the other side, rejection happens over and over. So, you you know, it's never really done. But, um, you know, I think every rejection, like, like we kind of talked about in the previous question, kind of builds your confidence and, you know, gives you that confidence that, you know, not only can you handle rejection, but you can also, you know, you can do these things. So what has been the importance of confidence for you as an entrepreneur? And how have you found like being confident in yourself and your business has changed how, you know, your clients or potential clients see you and view you? I think what you just said about how, you know, confidence has to come from within is key. Of course, you should have the binder. Of course, you should surround yourself with people who hype you up. But at the end of the day, that stuff's not that helpful if you're still not sure about what you're doing. Um, I think definitely when it comes to confidence, like for a lot of people who I'm lucky that I'm not a perfectionist, but I know like a lot of people are perfectionists. There's this idea that to be confident, you have to be like a perfect founder and you have to be like amazing at what you do and you never blunder. And those are the people who are confident because they're amazing. But it's like, we're, we all have superpowers. So it's a matter of just finding those superpowers and realizing, okay, I'm really good at this, but that's okay that I'm not good at this. I should still be confident in the things that I know I'm good at. And a lot of that just comes with, um, you know, being kind to yourself and, you know, allowing yourself to say that you're good at something. I think a lot of us are really uncomfortable. Like, um, even when you were saying like, oh, I don't want to like toot my own horn here. You know, it's really uncomfortable for us to brag about ourselves because we Mm -hmm. see it as bragging. But I I challenge everyone listening to this episode is write down three things that you're super good at, that you're like, if someone asked me to do this, I would do a damn good job. Mm -hmm. And then start, you know, creating that and start like really leaning into that. And don't be afraid to say you're a good ex or whatever you're good at, because that's, that's how you start is you verbalize it and you put it into the world. Definitely. I absolutely agree. I love that. Okay. Um, and you, I love that you gave an actionable step because we didn't actually have an actionable we didn't step actually at the end of this that, interview. We do. Um, and that's <laughs> so always how we close it. But I was like, this, <laughs> no, I was like, this one is a little too mindset for me to do action steps. But here you come in with action steps. We absolutely love it. Okay. So let's get into today's random question, which I think is going to be hilarious and I love it. So today's is what was a moment that you wish you could have hit the rewind button? So to not do something, to not say something, to not have something happen. So Lucy, you can start us off. Oh my gosh. Mine's so embarrassing and um I hope it makes you guys laugh as much as it didn't make me laugh in the moment (laughs) um so I was running late to class one day and I was holding like a comical amount of things I was holding like a water bottle a backpack like probably someone's cat like I don't even know and it was like a terrible rainstorm and the campus was so slippery and I was of course wearing heels and a dress because who like people wear that to class um I just wanted to look like pretty that day so I'm like kind of doing this like weird trot run trying to get to class and oh my gosh I just like wipe out down a flight of stairs like in the rain and my like my underwear is showing my dress (laughs) is like totally above my head and at that exact moment I think like 
maybe EY was like having some sort of event in the business school and like eight businessmen just like exit the business school and here I am just like flashing everyone and of course they were so nice they all like came up to me and they're like oh my god like are you okay because it looked like a really bad fall and I just like got up I was like I think my spine's broken but I need to hobble out of this situation and I just like went to the bathroom and I was honestly fine I just had some bruises but like the I was so mortified I was like I I just need to like I think I just need to (laughs) yeah I just need to leave this school I'll just drop my major I'll just it's fine I'll just find a new path um and so yeah I wish I could click the rewind on that I know exactly what you mean about it being like slippery. We would have that like, it's not gravel, but it's like that rocky, like all over my campus. And anytime it would rain, everybody would be slipping, wiping out, like sliding. It was absolutely horrible. So I know what you mean. That is so bad. I feel like all of ours are going to have something like mine has something to do with falling too. I'm like, I just, it's so embarrassing to not be able to like keep yourself upright. But Alexis, what is yours? Okay. I had one. Actually, both of these are from middle school. I wasn't, this is the original thought that I had, and then I thought of something that was funnier, but I will quickly say that my first initial thought was when I fell in the middle of the hallway in middle school because I passed (laughs) out, and people were literally, like, walking around me because they, I don't, I don't know why they thought I was just, like, laying on the floor, but I, like, fully passed out in the middle school hallway, like, in between periods. So embarrassing. Um, But my other story is also from middle school and truly humiliating. Um, So I'm getting married in like a couple months and one of our groomsmen, not best man, but groomsmen, um, I knew him. I've known him for like 15 or 16 years and I had the hugest crush on him for so long. And um, I think he definitely knew that. I started, I met him in like fourth grade and I think this was, like, sixth grade, and um, some boy who was just the worst um, somehow found out that I had a crush on this person, and we were, I think it was, like, either an assembly or, like, an after-school thing or something. For some reason, there were, like, hundreds of kids in our gym, and, oh, no, I think it was some sort of game, yeah, because I was about to go into the locker, and, like, locker room, and, this loser weirdo kid just screams to the whole school, Alexis like Snape. What the hell? And I just like ran into the locker room and like literally was like, ah, oh my god. And like of course Nate was right there, and so was the whole entire school. I mean, pretty much the whole entire school already knew, but that was probably one of the most humiliating moments of my life. And that wasn't something that I could have controlled but if I could have rewound and like pushed that kid or something I feel like that would have saved me a lot of embarrassment but yeah that is hilarious Mm -hmm. um okay well I was thinking I'll tell the one about whenever I fell because I said that it was about that already but I actually have another one too um so I was in middle school. All the worst things happened. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was like, guys, we're all scarred in middle school. No, it's horrible. (laughs) And like anything that happens in middle school is like a thousand times worse than if it happened any other time. Like, it's horrible. But I was in middle school, and the way that my school was, um, there were like classrooms, but it was all outdoors, basically. It's like an apartment building where like the outside of your apartment, like you walk outside your door and it's outdoors. It wasn't like a big building with hallways inside. Like our hallways were outside, basically. So I walk... if you walk out of my classroom and like there's stairs right there. So we were all leaving class, whatever, everybody in my class, we're all leaving class and we're going to our next classes, whatever. I'm like near the front of the 
of the group of us leaving and a lot of us are like going to our classes upstairs in the same building or wherever i fall up the stairs like up the stairs i just like i try to get on the first step and i fall i like it was bad and these were like concrete stairs it was painful it was embarrassing everybody's like oh, are you okay i was like can y'all just like leave yeah like, y'all just go to class like i do I not just, need like, anybody if to leave me right and now. die yeah. you know, like y'all need to stop it was bad so that was a bad one and then another one this is just something i look back on and i'm like literally why did i do that so we had sadie hawkins dance in yep. high school and that's where girls ask guys and i wanted to ask this guy whatever and like you know how you find the creative ways to ask them whatever whatever my Oh, this is so embarrassing. My genius idea was to ask this guy to Sadie's with like a paper clip that he had to like open. And then there was paper like inside of it that like when you open the paper clip, it like spread out and it said like Sadie's question mark. So I go and hand him this paper clip and I'm like, open this paper clip. (laughs) Or it's not a paper clip, a a clothespin. I'm like, open up this clothespin. And so like, (laughs) I'm like, press the clip, you know, open the clothespin. And And it was like, he didn't even get it. And like, it was written so small and like... It was so weird. And, like, I just walk up to him with this close, but I'm, like, here, open it. Like, that is that is so funny. Mortifying. Why did I do that? And I then would... I made him dress up as characters from American Horror Story to go to Sadie's, which was also humiliating. It was, was it like, horrible. a costume thing? Yeah. But then, okay. like, we, like, and I, like, had a huge crush on him. And then he started dating one of my friends. And I was, like, honestly, thank God. Because this is, like, too far gone at this point. And now that they actually broke up, um after they graduated high school and then they got back together Aww. recently and we're like 23 now um they got back together like a couple of years ago or something but anyway very sweet um thank god that him and um, i, didn't I have with i have a, i have another interjection because you reminded oh me that that was originally originally <laughs> Lucy's like just here Lucy's for story like, time shut, shut up. i'm like <laughs> i'm just gonna go pop some popcorn guys this is gonna <laughs> yeah, turn into an hour and a half episode of our middle school trauma stories <laughs> this is this is a high school story and it does relate to austin um and i'm absolutely exposing him um so freshman year I was obsessed with Austin he's now my fiance um we met the first day of high school and I definitely liked him way more than he liked me in in like freshman year um and so we had it was like winter ball because it was like January and I didn't know I think I knew that another girl liked him and I don't know if she had already asked or if she was going to ask but I was like okay I gotta like get in before because I feel like she's gonna ask him and so I asked Austin to winter ball I think it was through text which is embarrassing and then he just responded and was like I won't say the girl's name but he was like oh I'm sorry I would but I'm already going with blank how rude and I was like all right I'm never talking to you again I didn't say that but in my head and then now we're gonna get married so that was a failed plan but how embarrassing so i love it mm-hmm. i love it middle school is the absolute worst if you're in middle school right now and you're listening to this it gets um, better it re- literally only gets better it is yeah. the worst time of everybody <laughs> upward trend yeah yeah it's just absolutely <laughs> horrible um okay lucy thank you so much for coming onto the yes, podcast today so and chatting all about rejection with us not the most fun topic to talk about but we know that it's going to be so helpful for all of our listeners so why don't you go ahead and plug yourself tell people where they can connect with you after this episode and find out all you know keep up with all the amazing things that you're doing 
Yeah, no, I would love to connect with you. And so I'm a big Instagram person. So you can find me on Instagram at my right hand woman, right spelled like writing. That's my pun. Um, and I am just starting to get into TikTok. So if you want to be one of my first 100 followers, I would really appreciate it. It's also my right hand woman. Um, if you want to hire me, if you need a copywriter, um, that my website's the best place to go. It's myrighthandwoman.com. Um, I have templates if you're a little bit newer in business and you want help writing or if you want me to roast your copy I have fiery audits so there's a lot on there I always say go to the website that's definitely my baby because I wrote it um and I'm trying to think of other things that you could do if you like buzzfeed quizzes um you can head to findmybrandvoice.com and take the quiz it's a free quiz I also wrote it and I tried to make it funny um so you can see how your brand sounds to others or how you should be um kind of promoting your brand um, if you don't have a business and you listen to this podcast and you're like, I kind of just like you and you want to hang out, um, <laughs> please message me on my personal Instagram at lucy.bedewi. Um, my last name is spelled B-E-D-E-W-I. Um, that's a great place to just kind of keep up with my personal life. And I would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Check Your Aesthetic Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want more, follow us on Instagram at Check Your Aesthetic and TikTok at Check Your Aesthetic Podcast. If you want to support our show, text the link to this episode to a friend, share when you listen to CYA on your story, or leave a positive rating or review wherever you're listening to this episode. If you want to hear more from us, be sure to hit the follow button on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll talk to you next Monday. See ya!